0: Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Mm, mm, mm. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook, or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, I got some more Orion for you. Uh just to give you a little bit of a recap he had a life in in roman times where he was a soldier and died and had some weird guy he called stabby that stabbed him and also said sorry bro which is a weird thing to hear in roman times so uh now he's in medieval times and he's been asked by the princess to compete in the big tournament but he's a little twerpy farmer boy and while he was sneaking into the big city of the tournament, he uh, got caught by the guards, and of course the captain of the guards has it out for him because he's a commoner and, uh, you know, we'll go from there. Inside the place was bustling. Merchants were trying to sell their goods. They actually called out the names of their products as I passed. A man on stilts walked through the town dressed as a jester. There were jugglers and fire breathers. People were bursting from the taverns with mugs of ale and singing songs. Near the center of town was a jousting arena. There was a podium for the king and his entourage in the center of the bleachers off to the sides. People were already filling the stands. Off to either end of the jousting tracks there were lots of temporary tents. Knights practiced with their swords and lances. Their horses trotted in circles. Even the horses had armor. I was screwed. A guard shoved me against the side of a tent and told me to wait there. Before I was able to soil myself and run away, Grimaud sauntered from the canvas with an entourage of elite guards. He called out, You there, boy! As much as I try to talk the princess out of it, she seems to think you'll amount to something. I hate to waste a good suit of armor and weapons on a whelp like you, so I won't. He nodded to his guards, and they tossed a bunch of objects at my feet. A rusty sword, a stained chainmail vest, and a lance with a crack down the center. I picked up the armor, and a foul stench overwhelmed my senses. I almost puked and dropped the mail. The guards laughed, and Grimmaul (laughs) said, We found the body of Tommy Two-Toes in the armor. He must have been dead for weeks. He fell into the latrine, you see. I guess his two toes couldn't save him, am I right, boys? (laughs) His guards laughed again. But Grimwald shut them down and glared at me. Now wear it! I hesitated for a moment and Grimwald gripped his sword. I slipped the armor on and everyone laughed as my face scrunched in disgust. He told me to get my things and follow him. I gathered the sword and lance and set out through the city once more. In this life I was much sturdier. When I was head stable boy, I waited around a lot for my master to ride his horse and made all the younger boys do the heavy lifting. Farm life, on the other hand, had built muscles because I'd worked from sunup to sundown. I was able to carry the sword and lance with ease. Of course, carrying them and using them were two different things. I didn't know anything about swords. My father never taught me how to use one. I didn't need one as a peasant. I was pretty strong from hauling water, threshing wheat, and tilling fields, but that only meant I could swing it. From what I could see of my competition, everyone looked as if they'd been born with a sword in hand. We finally got to the stables of the castle. Horses were being plated with armor for the big day. One sizable white horse was going wild. It was thrashing around and bucking. It broke the nose of one of the stable boys and knocked the other into mud. They scrambled to leave the pen before they were trampled. Well, go on, boy, Grimwald said. That's your horse. He kicked me into the pen and I stumbled into the mud. When I picked myself up, I was right in front of a horse on its rear legs ready to thrack me. That's when I thought of those daydreams I had as a kid. I remembered being a stable boy in Rome. I was confident around horses and always knew how to soothe them. I stuck out my hand in a non-threatening manner and spoke softly to the horse. It calmed under my influence. Instead of pounding me into the dirt, it settled down. It nuzzled my shoulder and I petted the side of its face. There, there, I said. It's not so bad, is it? Had I only lived two lives, this would have been the best evidence for reincarnation. I figured if reincarnation was real, then people should know how to do things or just be familiar with stuff from their past life. I was able to calm a horse, not because I was a horse whisperer or something, because I had years of practice in a past life. I theorized that most people lost all their memories from one life to the next, so they went on through life thinking they had a talent or an affinity for something. They found comfort and safety in a culture that wasn't their own, or they just couldn't explain why something that was the way it was in their life. That was the influence of a past life. What made me different, I thought, was whatever white people's memory of their past lives didn't work on me, and I wasn't anything special, just a fluke in the reincarnation cycle. It's too bad reincarnation wasn't what was happening to me. It was a nice theory, and I held on to that one for a while, but it doesn't really describe my situation. Anyways, on with the story. There, there, I said to the horse, and it snorted its approval. I calmed the horse down enough to put a rope around its neck, and then edged to the side of the pen. The crowd watched me tame the horse and got really quiet. Even Grimwalt didn't have any snide remarks. Turned out it wasn't because they were enamored with me. It was because the princess was standing on the sidelines and everyone was bowing in her presence. She wasn't looking at any of them, she was looking right at me. The princess smiled and said, It takes a gentle soul, indeed, to tame the savage beast. Take note, Grimwalt. There are other tactics you could use besides the sword. I could see Grimwalt seething, but it didn't matter. I was in the presence of the princess. Everything that had only moments before seemed to point to my impending gruesome death now seemed manageable. A a bunch of veteran sword fighters? Nah, no problem. Weapons that could break at any moment? I had worse. A horse that could bug me off during the joust? Child's play. I had the princess on my side. Come here, boy. Let me see you properly princess said. I froze and couldn't think of an excuse. I didn't want to get any closer because of my armor of crappy smells. I wanted nothing more than to embrace her like the knights of the old stories. Instead, I just shifted around awkwardly. The princess eventually said, will you at least tell me your name? O- Orion, I managed to sputter out. Even though my real name in this life was Terence, <laughs> I liked Orion, and thus began the tradition of calling myself Orion, and every time someone asked me for my name, I will look for you on the battlefield, Orion. Grimwalt will at least get Orion a proper lance. His looks cracked. I wanted to ask her for better armor too, but she was gone before I could even think about speaking a full sentence. Before I could get through two practice swings of my sword, I was on my horse which I named Sirius, overlooking the vast crowd of cheering folk. The princess was seated on the raised platform along with the king and all his men. Even Grimwalt was there. On the other side of the jousting Reno was a man in blindingly brilliant armor. He was also handsome, well built, and should have been the romantic lead in a Greek comedy. The man seemed pretty handy with a sword. In short, snarling barbarians weren't the only way to die. Sometime hunky knights would do you in too. At this point, I was about to give up and let Grimwald burn down my farm and put my head on a spike when I saw the princess turn her head slightly towards me and smile. It was enough for me to spur my horse into a gallop when the horn blew. Each hoof struck the ground with a thunderous clomp. The hunky knight flipped his visor and aimed his lance towards me. I pointed towards him. As our horses got closer, I realized I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know how to hold a lance. I closed my eyes and braced for impact. Nothing happened. It seemed that I was riding for an unusually long time. When I worked up the guts to open my eyes, I realized we had failed to lance each other. I was heading directly for a tent. I smacked right into the canvas light and rolled off my horse into the tangle of fabric. To make matters worse, it was the latrine tent. I ended my roll by falling into the pit in the ground. The crowd was roaring with laughter and I wanted to die. I looked towards my opponent and he was dangling off his horse with one foot stuck in the stirrup. There was a crowd of soldiers around him. Grimwald was among them. He pointed towards me and yelled to the top of his lungs. "'Sir Gawain has been poisoned! Get that man!' Before I could even think about untangling myself from the poop-crusted web, a slew of guards descended upon me. There's really not much else to tell you about my second life. What mostly involved being chained to a dungeon, but my embarrassment in front of the princess was, was much worse than any torturous death the Middle Ages could cook up. Since the worst thing that could have happened to me had already had, I welcomed death, even though it wasn't going to be pleasant.' Grimwald accused me of poisoning my competition to gain advantage in the battle. Never mind that I didn't even know who I was going to joust and wouldn't have had time to do it, much less access to the apothecary, but motivation seemed pretty clear to the king, and Grimwald cough, cough, cough was an honorable man. I was sentenced to death through purification. That was old English for this sucker's gonna get tortured. I never did see the princess again in my second life. Even though I had daydreams of her coming down the dead dungeon to give me something for the pain. In fact, I would have skipped over this whole being tortured to death thing if it wasn't for one detail relevant to this whole story. Days later, when I was practically dead from dehydration, the door to my cell swung open, the torchlight blinded me. I could barely see the person unshackling me from the wall. I was dragged into a room in the dungeon that contained all sorts of horrific torture implements from the classics like the Iron Maiden and the rack, two strange devices whose functions I really couldn't guess. The hooded man tied me to a chair, tore open my shirt, and put a metal box over my stomach, then picked up another box that was squeaking. I struggled to free myself and said, Whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Delighted to have a conversation for once, the hooded man knelt beside me and said, It's quite ingenious, really. I bore a bundle of rats into the box and put it up against your chest. Then it put flame to it, and the rats eat their way through your stomach. It's quite painful, or so I'm told. That's not ingenious at all. That's terrible. Oh, no, it's, it's quite humane. Your sin gets purified by experience of pain you cause other. It's a win-win if you ask me. Your soul gets a chance to go to heaven. The rats get a meal. I'm not even sure if I'm going to heaven, I told the man in a rare moment of honesty. He shrugged and held the torch under the box, it was every bit as painful as he said it would be. Then, for some reason... Once I was numb from the pain by the loss of blood, I told him everything. I told him about my memories of growing up in Rome, my Roman father, who was awesome and taught me about the Greeks, my current father, who was an asshat, and just about anything that came to mind. The strange part was he just sat there and listened to me. After a while, he said, I'm sorry to do this, bro, but I do understand your pain. Trust me when I say it gets better. But before he was able to ponder... How things could get better after being eaten alive by rats, he dumped the rats and they scattered throughout the dungeon. My gut was not a pretty sight. He pulled out a long, thin dagger from his jacket. It looked familiar to me. Just as about to go through my eye socket into my skull, I knew where I'd seen it before. It was Stabby's! He had used it to kill me on the Roman battlefield! I knew I should have recognized that bro wasn't a medieval colloquialism. Alright... That is the end of that chapter of Orion. And uh, tune in next week. I'm going to go ahead and do some more reviews and then uh, read some more Orion. All right, we got good stuff for you on the RPA Network, so go ahead and check out RPA on Mondays, me on Tuesdays, Terry's Mysterious Moments on Wednesdays, and then Patrick Sean Jones, Sandman's by Thursdays, and then don't forget all the cool videos that drop off at every month into your podcast feed. Podcast Attic is what I use. There's also an RPA app. Whatever you want to use, just go ahead and listen to the podcast. We love you guys, and we appreciate all of you guys, gals, everything, every person, even if there's aliens out there or ghosts or demons or angels or, you know, you know, whoever has a podcast feed. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening.